are continuing in a series called Closer, and what we're talking about is the idea that a journey with Jesus is just that. Jesus, when he called all his disciples, and when he called you, uh, he didn't say, arrive with me. <laughs> he didn't say, make it to the end with me. He said, what? Follow me, okay? Following means it's a journey. And so our job, and maybe you're like me, in that as you start this thing of following Jesus, sometimes you're looking over and it's like, I can see him. Other times you've said, maybe I'm done following. I don't like the way this is going. And you've kind of gone off the rails or whatever. What I want to talk about this morning and in uh, the weeks to come is how can we just get a little bit closer? How can we just get a little bit closer to Jesus? Last week, we talked about someone who just got close enough to touch his uh, garment and, and her life was transformed. We talked about someone who was willing to get closer to Jesus, this man in authority, uh, a, a synagogue official comes to Jesus and humbles himself and gets on his knees and his life is transformed. This morning, we're going to talk about two different healings that happen. And what I'm hoping to do is to uh, have us see, we're, we're going to see uh, two healings, and then we're also going to see how Jesus looks at our world and the world that we're going through right now, whether it be through a pandemic or whatever you're going through. We got inflation, we got all these different things, we've got political unrest, social unrest, all, all these different things. How we marry both kingdoms. The kingdom of the world, which is the kingdom you're, you know, you go to Costco. If you're like me, every day an Amazon package like magically shows up at your door. I don't know how that happens. But, uh, or, or maybe you're, you know, just going to work and just grinding away. And maybe you're new to the Bible and new to Christianity. And you're realizing, you know what, I think there might be something more. That's a sense of the kingdom of God in your life. And so we're going to look at two uh, healings that happen, and we're also going to talk about our um, job or one of our responsibilities in the kingdom. All right, here we go. So we're in the, uh, the book of Mark, Mark chapter 1. Mark was most likely written by John Mark, and most likely it's what Peter was giving him to write down. We don't know that for sure. It doesn't matter. Uh, Mark is just part of our what we call the canon. It's just a series of books and letters that we've assembled into what we call the Bible. So the Bible isn't just a book that one person wrote or whatever. It's a, it's a collection of different genres of apocalyptic and wisdom literature and narratives and all these things. And Mark is just one of those uh, narratives that's in the New Testament. And so here's what it says. We, just to give a little bit of background, uh, Jesus' ministry is going great, actually. He's got tons of people. Uh, there's no pandemic. You don't have to wear a mask. It's just going smashing. Everybody loves Jesus. They're all trying to get around Jesus. And he's starting to get these crowds that are really becoming somewhat unmanageable. Okay? And so... Uh, it says in Mark chapter 1, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, this is so cool, Jesus is so hardcore, I love it, Jesus got up, left the house, and went to a solitary place where he prayed. It's just, 
just this is just an aside as a pastor. This is a wonderful example of a discipline that every follower of Jesus should have at some time during the day, a time to just step aside, to, 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 to get to a solitary place, a quiet place, and to be able to focus on what your heavenly Father uh, may have for you. We call it a quiet time. It doesn't have to be quiet. You can play worship music, you can do whatever you want. But, but the fact that it's daily and the fact that you see Jesus modeling this in the most hectic time of his ministry, in the most hectic time of my ministry, I want to put that time aside. Like, I got too much stuff to do. I can't be with my Heavenly Father right now. Plus, he knows my heart anyway, so go get it. He, Jesus models this. So that's what happens. Well, Simon, he's like me. He's like, hey, we got a busy day today. <laughs> you know, let's go, Jesus. And so the, the companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, listen, everyone is looking for you. In other words, a lot of people have a lot of opinions about what you're doing. And one of the opinions is you should be available to them when they want, which Jesus doesn't respond to, uh, except he says this, eh, Let's go somewhere else. <laughs> Let's go to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. They were there to hear his preaching, but they really wanted healing because they knew he was a healer. And at this time, science has, hadn't caught up as much as it is now. And so when you have a healer, a prophet that comes into the town and can do miraculous signs, they're interested in that. That's why I've come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Mark writes this just like it's every day. <laughs> like he's preaching, casting out demons. I, it's just so cool. Read your Bible. I kind of geeked out a little bit on this particular section of scripture, which we'll get to. I'm a total Bible nerd. So um, he drives out uh, demons. Now, here's what happens. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees. This is... This is important. If you are willing, you can make me clean. Now, in this particular time, if you had leprosy, and we can all understand this now in COVID, we can completely understand this. What do we ask each other now? Have you gotten COVID? Do you have COVID? Do you have symptoms? Have you been vaccinated? Have you been boosted? Have you been, you know, what are you doing? How are you managing the brokenness that is COVID? And we all have very strong opinions on it. Some of us are like, oh, you know, if you stick me with a vaccination, I'm, they're going to track me or whatever. Nobody's interested. But, uh, so they might track you, whatever. I don't, I don't know what they're doing, but that might be your thing. You've got strong opinions. They had strong opinions. This person had COVID and was hacking, essentially. He has leprosy. He's unclean. You are not supposed to touch him. He's not supposed to be anywhere about. You think six feet is hard? This was like 60 feet. And he comes up to Jesus in his uncleanliness. And he has, he has leprosy. And he says, if you can make me willing. Now, what we're about to read next is a little section of scripture that. Um, so the way the Bible came to us. We'll say it was John, John Mark with Peter's help writes Mark, okay? Let's just say that. Well, you and I would just post this on the internet. And you could just go see the file, download the file, you got the file. They can't, they couldn't do that. They needed scribes to copy each uh, letter and each document. 
Word for word, you don't change anything as a scribe. That's your job. You're a professional copier. You're a professional plagiarist, essentially. I tried this argument in junior high. Did not work. Okay? Yeah, I guess there could only be so many professional plagiarists, but they were. In this particular verse, some scribes were very uncomfortable with the Greek word that is used here. And so they, they softened it. And so what happens is you've got the original, and then you've got these different scribes. Well, one kind of just made this change because the word that we're about to read is very troubling. And they didn't know how to match it up with Jesus, so they changed it. Well, as scholars have gone through all the different scribes, they, they stopped this one strain and went back to the original and to the oldest manuscripts and put it corrected it. And here's why you're saying, what does this have to do? Number one, I'm a geek. Number two, Jesus was indignant. We, we, we use a different word, okay? At least I do when I'm with my buddies. <laughs> but he was upset. He was angry. As a matter of fact, when this Greek word is used anywhere else in the New Testament, it's Jesus using it as it relates to when the kingdom of God is not being, it, it, when things aren't the way they're supposed to be, there's a rift. There's brokenness. When brokenness shows itself, Jesus gets angry. So if you're wondering, hey, my uncle has COVID and, and things are going really, really bad. Like, where's Jesus in all this? He's here. And he's upset. Just as upset as you are. You say, well, why doesn't he do anything? Well, that's up to Jesus. I don't know. But he knows that our world is broken. And one of the things we'll see as we move forward is that there's this idea that the kingdom of God is not flourishing the way it's supposed to flourish, both in our, our lives and just in physicality. The way it was designed was that Adam and Eve were created. And yes, I believe in a literal Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were created. They were supposed to have relationship with God, Living that out in community and stewarding God's creation. That was their job. Relationship with God, relationship with others, steward creation. Original sin broke that. Original sin brought in brokenness, both in our bodies. We weren't supposed to die. We weren't supposed to get sick. There wasn't supposed to be sorrow, which we'll see in eternity. But right now, we're living in brokenness. So the law came. God had set up the law to try and bring some shalom to what's going on. And what was supposed to happen was the Israelites were supposed to love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, as with original design. They were to love their neighbor as themselves, which was in original design. Okay, with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so Jesus comes in, and his only job is to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. That it doesn't have to be this way. So he was indignant. He was angry. You can fill in whichever word you would use with your friends. He was really upset. Why? Because people aren't supposed to have leprosy. That's a brokenness. That is not part of design. He reached out his hand. And he touched the man. He says, I'm willing be clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him because anytime Jesus shows up and anytime we get closer to Jesus, we're getting close to restoration. 
We're getting close to healing. We're getting close to fulfillment of living our lives the way God has designed us to live. And so the leprosy leaves them. And so Jesus gives them really interesting instructions that I want you to see from Jesus' perspective. Because oftentimes we'll see it a different way. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. A strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone. <laughs> but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleaning. Now listen. As a testimony to them. Here's what Jesus is saying. The kingdom of God has arrived. You've experienced healing. The people who need to understand this and know this are the priests, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, and the scribes. They need to understand that what they're doing, now they didn't have eyes to see, but what they're doing is now becoming fulfilled. Basically, Jesus is saying this. Don't get sidetracked with culture. Don't get sidetracked on you. You will never believe what happened. I had leprosy and now I don't. Don't get sidetracked by that. I need you to go to the priests and become a testimony to them. So that, that priest goes, wait, what? What happened? You, you had leprosy? Wait, what? Who? Jesus. That was what's supposed to happen. Well, instead, he went out and began to talk freely. Okay. Spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. So this is the setup. This is what we have. He heals a leper. I won't get into all the laws that were supposed to happen. He actually touched this leper. So when he touched the leper, it's not in the Bible, but I guarantee you all 12 disciples went, Ah, oh, no. Because that means they had to go to Jerusalem, which was like a day and a half journey. And they were really busy, and they don't want to go. Well, Jesus doesn't go, because he's above all that, right? He's fulfilling the law. That's what he's doing. And so they spread the news. They can't go anywhere. Now, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. Now, if you're reading that in the Bible and you're like, this, I thought his home was Nazareth. That's, yes, that's, he was from Nazareth. But Peter lived in Capernaum and that was kind of home base to them. So they end up being at home base, which is probably Peter's mother-in-law's house. We don't know that, but he'd come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left in the, in the house. So if we picture this as the house, every chair is taken, everything's taken, standing room only, the windows are open, and there are people outside the windows. Here, if you're at home, picture your house filled with people, like you have a big party, and, and they're also in the back patio, and the front patio, and they're all around your house, and the musical, whatever, whatever you do at your parties. That's what's happening not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Most likely, it was the kingdom of God is at hand, and it's nothing like your culture. That's the good news of the kingdom. That our sin and brokenness and all this stuff we have in, in us can be restored through what Jesus ultimately will end up doing on the cross. So he's preaching the word to them. Now here we go. Some men came. Could have been women. He could have inserted anything. In this particular case, it happened to be men. Bringing to him 
a paralyzed man carried by four of them. So these men are trying to bring someone closer to Jesus. I don't know if you've ever done that. Maybe for you, you're brand new to the Bible, brand new to like coming to church, and uh, someone, this is a result, you're here as a result of someone bringing you here. Maybe you're watching online, and someone forwarded this to you and said, you know, we really think... Um, this would help you, or, you know, it's an amazing, amazing, wonderful sermon. Actually, they might say, watch all of his sermons. I don't know, but you might be watching this because someone is trying to bring you closer to Jesus, trying to get you experience the kingdom of God the way that they're experiencing it. Now, let me stop here for one second. I am uh, Gen X, actually. That is my generation is Gen X, which I've noticed never gets talked about. We talk about boomers. We even have a thing. Okay, boomer, right? So you, boomers feel dejected. We talk about millennials. Oh, millennials this, millennials that, Gen Z. But we never talk about Gen X. Hello? Michael Jackson? Nirvana? Come on. Stone Temple Pilots? What's wrong with you people? Actually, I love not being talked about, so, so it's, it's really cool. But I will say this. The generation before me, and if you're in it, this wasn't you. It was somebody else, I'm sure. There was this narrative that your job as a Christian, once you become a Christian, is to bring people to the Lord. Now, don't take this wrong. Just listen to me. And the way you did that was to learn as much as you can and to have arguments that were so compelling that you could argue with someone. We called it apologetics. Mostly because you had to apologize after you were done. But you would go and give all these stats and Bible verses and all that. And, and you were supposed to be equipped in order to convince someone to follow Jesus. None of that is wrong. None of that is wrong. But what ended up happening was there was a generation of people feeling like it was their responsibility to come up with the best argument to follow Jesus. When all God is really asking us to do is to carry one corner of the mat to bring someone to Jesus. There's four guys. They each get one corner. They're not responsible to take it. They're not responsible for the outcome. They're not responsible for anything. They're responsible to pick up the corner that God has given them, or in this case, the corner that's presented to them, to have a relationship and to go, where are we going today? And to grab a corner. My question to this is, can you carry a corner for someone? Can you just carry a corner? Not convince them, although that might be part of carrying the corner. When they ask you a question, we should always, all of us, should be able to uh, give an um, to give a, a reason for the hope that is within us. Absolutely. But most of the time in day to day, we're just carrying a corner, trying to bring someone just a little bit closer to who Jesus is. So if you've ever written a note of encouragement to somebody, you've carried a corner for them. If you've ever looked across from someone and you said, listen, I, I can't even begin to understand what you're going through. But I can pray for you. 
And so if you wouldn't mind, I'll pray for you right now or I'll pray for you during the week. When you do that, you've carried a corner for them. If you've ever taken a meal to anyone in Jesus' name and just said, you know what, I'm super busy, I'm working just as hard as anyone, but that family's really getting hit by sickness, we're going to bring dinner to them. You have carried a corner of that pallet, of that mat for them. It's getting one step closer to Jesus. Do we understand all the apologetics and all those reasonings and all those? Absolutely knock yourself out. Knock yourself out. Know everything about the Bible. Know all of it. I, yes, memorize it. Live it. But at some point, you're going to be asked to carry a corner. If you've ever uh, just kind of something's came up out of the blue, somebody's name, you're like, whoa, I haven't talked to that person and you reached out to him on Facebook, maybe direct message him or something. Just said, are you doing okay? I've been thinking about you. You've carried a corner. And so these four men, that's what they do. They're just like, I, 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 don't, know how to, I don't know how to heal a paralyzed guy, but I know how to carry a corner. I can do that. So the four of them do that. They're carried by four men. Since they couldn't get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it. Now, it's kind of funny. I, I'm in a position where I get to read a bunch of scholars, uh, which when I say scholars, they're really nice men and women. Trust me, I'm sure they're wonderful. But, but they have competing ideas. And so you have to read through everybody's ideas to go what's going on. So some of the scholars believe, hey, it's really not that big of a deal because they would replace their roofs every year in Capernaum uh, because they had these beams and the way that it all worked and the beams couldn't support blah, whatever. They're, again, they're scholars. Okay, so you read that. So it's like, no big deal. They're going to replace it. Well, th then my question is, scholar, do you own a house or do you, are you responsible for the roof on your house? Because whether I'm going to replace it next year or not, I don't want people digging holes in my roof, even if I was going to replace it. Other scholars said it's Capernaum, and in Luke it says tiles. They, they removed the tiles from the roof. That means that the person was wealthy because only the wealthy had tile. Blah, 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 blah. They put a hole in a roof. <laughs> That's the point Mark is trying to make. They dug through the roof. Here's a pro tip. Don't go digging through people's roofs, okay? It's frowned upon. They do. So Jesus is preaching here. It is packed. Somebody in need can't get in. And so these four corner bearers decide, my job is this corner. That is my job. I'm going to do my job to the best of my ability. I'm responsible for a corner. I got to get this person to Jesus. Let's go. I would much rather hang around Christians who knew they were responsible for a corner than spend all their time at home trying to come up with arguments. Take care of your corner. God has given you a corner for somebody around you. You say, I'm not a very good witness. Can you carry a corner? Can you pray for them? Can you tell them, hey man, this might sound super weird. And I know we've been friends for a long time, but because you, you might be new to Jesus, right? And you're like, I know it's going to sound weird, but do you want to come to church with me? It's just made a big difference in my life. I can't explain it, but would you? 
your corner bearer. So they, they go through this. They go dig through the thing, and then they lower him on the mat so that you can kind of picture them. They each have their corner. They, the corner must have had a rope on it or something. And they're like, okay. So Jesus is preaching like I am now, equally as good. And, and you know, stuff starts falling on him. And he stops, looking up, I would imagine. And you, here he is. The man is in front of Jesus only because he has corner bearers. That's it. And there are people in my life, in your life, those around us, that you're afraid to approach because you think you're supposed to heal them of paralysis. And that's not what God called you to do. He called you to grab a corner of their life, however it is, and do your job. So they do, they lie it on. Now watch. When Jesus saw their faith, not his faith, their faith, there is something that happens in the kingdom of God when the people of God do their job. Remember when Jesus was indignant? Now he's not. He's not because four people did the small job God had asked them to do. Take care of that corner. And now they're here, and Jesus is going, this dude's right here. I got Pharisees everywhere. I got all you people out there. And here's this thing. Why? Because these guys are doing their job to bring the kingdom of God to this paralyzed guy. Does that make sense? Okay. All right. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, hey, your sins are forgiven. I love Jesus, but if I were paralyzed, I'd be like, cool. How about all this action? Maybe we could fix the old walking thing. Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. Now, this is what I was talking about. When Jesus heals the leper and he says, go to the priest. Because the priest understood the science of leprosy. They understood all this. They'd seen many lepers. And this is something different. And so Jesus is now connecting in some small way physical brokenness with spiritual brokenness. The person's paralyzed. But to Jesus, that's not the most important thing. It's his soul. That's the most important thing. And so Jesus is like, to Jesus, he's just like, oh man, sweet, this dude's here. Let's forgive him of his sins. Because you can get through anything in life, any physical ailment in life, once that's taken care of. Once I know that Jesus loves me, once I know that my sin isn't going to bog me down, once I'm out of the guilt and shame, I now have the presence of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Word of God, and my relationship with Jesus to help me deal with these things. These corner bearers brought this guy to Jesus, and it took four of them. It didn't take one really strong, awesome guy to do whatever they do in order to get it to Jesus. Each person taking care of their corner. He says, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the teachers of the law were sitting there, which uh, I, don't, I have so many words for this. I, and we don't have time, and I'm gonna, I would get myself in trouble. But spiritual people who don't do anything, that take up space, drive me crazy. 
None of these teachers of the law are corner bearers. As a matter of fact, Jesus says this to them, not in this particular time. You tie up heavy loads on people and you don't even grab a corner of their mat to help them. It's not quite what he said. You don't lift a finger is what he said. You tie up heavy loads on people and you don't lift a finger to help them. And so here's this man whose soul has been restored back to God. That in, at least in the kingdom of God, there's restoration. And these guys are upset. And I, they're guys. They're all guys. So why does this fellow talk like that? And they use words like fellow, which I just don't trust that. They were sitting thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? And you can kind of just see them all together in their tribe, mumbling, looking at each other. They're all dressed in their perfect religious clothing. They've, they've forced their way or used their power to get close to Jesus, but they're not interested in anything he has to offer. They're there to judge. And you can just see them all murmuring and then collectively coming up. Yeah, he's blaspheming. He's blaspheming. He's blaspheming. Oh, yeah. Oh. Righteous indignation. A man's soul has been restored. And that's their conclusion. And that's all I have to say on that topic for now. He asked the question, who can forgive sins but God alone? To which Jesus replied, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> like, great conclusion, guys. Good job. But it's a real question for them. I was reading one thing about these poor Pharisees because to them, everything about this was fearful. Everything. There's a rabbi, a competing rabbi. Someone who's speaking truth to power. That was frightening to them. There was spiritual powers at work. They heard about the demons being uh, cast out. They heard about the leprosy. They heard about the different things. They heard about the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus was saying, hey, take this, your ideas, and turn them upside down. They were scared to death because things weren't going the way. They were scared politically because if this is an uprising, people are going to die. They're not just going to get canceled on Twitter. They're going to die. So they're very scared. Their wealth was tied to religiosity. Everything was tied to it. So the fact that Jesus was blaspheming was a good sigh of relief. We can stone him and be done. Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that they were what they were thinking. That's frightening. Is it not? Okay, maybe not for you. You guys are really spiritual. For me, that's frightening. And they were thinking in their hearts and said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which to me, if you want to, we've done two series on just questions Jesus asked. We'll do, them again. we'll do them again. I love that series. But pay really good attention to the questions Jesus asks. Why are you anxious? Right? He asks that. He asks that question, why are you thinking these things? I think he really wants them to answer that question. Well, because the word of God, like the Old Testament, like the prophets, uh, like that, that's why we're thinking these things. He asked this question, what's easier to say? 
to this paralyzed man. Your sins are forgiven, or get up, take your mat, and walk. To which, if I were the paralyzed guy, I'd be like, second one, second one, do the second one. Thanks for the sins. Really love it. Appreciate it. Thank you. Can you do the walking thing? Let's teach them a lesson. Everybody, we'll pray. Here we go. Which is easier to say? Now watch what he says. Super important. Very, very important what he says. Because Jesus isn't just healing someone. He's bringing the kingdom of God to them. He's showing them what shalom is supposed to look like. They're operating in fear. He's operating in peace and restoration. So what's easier? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Jesus makes that very, very clear to these people. I want you to know that. And so when we're a corner bearer, and we're bringing people to Jesus. It's our job not to convince them, but to get them to know there is a path that you can take that brings healing and restoration in your relationships, in your finances, in all that you do. But I gotta get you closer to Jesus. And so Jesus explains that to them because Jesus understands, like a lot of us do, that Besides physical ailments, there's this problem with our soul. We need to be reconciled to God. Jesus did it on the cross. He literally was the sacrifice that all these Pharisees would have known about. The sacrifice that that leper was supposed to go to Jerusalem. He was supposed to get checked out, get cleansed, give a sacrifice of thanksgiving to God. They understood the sacrificial system. And Jesus is saying, I am the sacrifice. I want you to know that I have the power to forgive sin. So he said to this man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. Isn't that amazing? Now, I, I tend to read too much into the Bible because I really try to immerse myself in the situation. And this is an amazing uh, miracle, a paralyzed person walking. We don't know much about him, but he, everyone knew he was paralyzed, and he walked home. I want to talk to you about what it must have been like to sit on the top of that roof and go, He's doing it. Joe is walking. Did you see Joe? He's walking right now. Is he? Are you sure? Lower me down. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Let's go, let's go, right? Can you imagine what it was like to be one of those dudes? I know exactly what it's like. Because in the areas of my life where I've been obedient as a corner bearer, I have seen God do the most amazing things in people's lives. Did I do it? Nah. Did I convince them, whatever? I'm, I'm a paid professional convincer, okay? Did I convince them? Nah. I just brought them to Jesus. And Jesus, through his power of being able to restore both the soul and the body, does his work. And I get to see people not just walk, 
but run in their lives. I get to see people. Ah, I've seen so many. And if you're watching and you are thinking to yourself, man, there's no way I would ever be qualified to be healed. I'm here to tell you, this guy was not qualified. The leper was not qualified. It's just a coming to Jesus, this humility of saying, I can't do it on my own anymore. My sin, my shame, all these things are weighing me down. I want to be able to walk. The Old Testament says that you rise up with wings on eagles. You walk and you don't become weary. You run and you do not grow tired. As corner bearers, that's that's our job. Grab a corner. Get them to Jesus. Ah, John, I don't know the Bible. So what? Those Pharisees, they all knew the Bible. They were all really long-term spiritual people. And I don't question their hearts. I think they really thought they were doing the right thing, but they're missing the kingdom of God. The people, untrained people on the roof did better. They all got to see this in full view of them all, not just the people sitting down. But those corner bearers, this amazed everyone as they praised God saying, we've never seen anything like this. As the worship band returns, they hadn't, they hadn't seen anything like it. It says in the Bible, all through where Jesus went, they'd say, man, we've never heard anything like this. We've never seen anything like this. When we are a corner bearer to somebody, And we just go, look, I I don't know the Bible. I don't know anything. I have sin in my own life. I got stuff I'm struggling with. That does not disqualify you from being a corner bearer at all. And I would just propose this. When you are a corner bearer and you bring somebody just a little bit closer to Jesus, guess who's closer to Jesus? You are. You are. We see the miracles we're closest to. Amen? I'm going to pray for us. And, uh, you know, during this time, we usually slow it down. And um, we, we, we either stand and sing to this song or we, you know, hear, listen to the Holy Spirit. Here's the question I, I just ask. For this week, for you to go back to whatever you're doing, whether you're on Zoom meetings or you're at work or whatever, whatever. God, is there a corner you're asking me to pick up? Not, is there someone that I have to convince? You can ask him that question too. If there is someone, he'll make it clear to you. He does. Is there a corner you're asking me to pick up? Lord Jesus, I want to thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you that you cannot be interrupted, that you can't be bothered. God, as we've seen so many of the paralyzed walk and run, be free, people who could never forgive and they find themselves forgiving. People who always felt victimized and yet 
through the church or through community or whatever, they feel equal. They feel accepted. Lord God, would you just surround us with those people? Show us the corner where to pick up so that we can be one step closer to you together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you're not standing, why don't you go ahead and stand for the blessing. My prayer for us this week is that we go out and find a corner. Find somebody, maybe we just write a note, make a phone call, reach out to them on social media, whatever, of just bringing them one step closer to our Heavenly Father through a relationship with Jesus. And if you've never even started that relationship before, and you're like, man, I, I want to get to know this Jesus. It's so simple. We just give him our lives. We just go to him and we say, Lord Jesus, I'm, I'm broken. I'm a sinner. I want to put all of that behind me and begin this journey with you. Please forgive me. And he will. He will. Then you can go grab a corner of someone next to you. Now in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, I pray you would go in his wisdom, in his grace, in his mercy, and his strength. In Jesus' name, Amen.